morning, we're going to continue in our series entitled, Things We Need to Do to Move the Gospel Forward. And I, and I hope that you've been paying attention. I hope that you've enjoyed this, this series that we've been in because the gospel needs to move forward. If you, if you follow the progression of, of the gospel from the time that, that Jesus died on the cross, the time he rose again, to the time he inspired the, the, the 12 apostles originally, then the eleven. The Holy Spirit filled them on the day of Pentecost until the day we live in now. The gospel has always moved forward. There's always been times where Satan has tried to stop the gospel, but the gospel has always moved forward. And we as Christians, we as ambassadors of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we as children of God need to make sure that we do everything we possibly can to move the gospel forward. Amen? All day, every day, as you've heard me say a million times, and I hope a million times more, God created us, Butch, from the top of our head to the tip of our toes to be a walking, talking billboard for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, but too often we're not. But we ought to be. Amen? Uh, the message that I'm, I'm about to preach to you is a little unusual. Uh, there, there are many times, most of the time, when I'm preparing my sermons on a weekly basis, uh, I try to be done from Thursday afternoon so I can take a real day off on Friday and not have to worry about the sermons. Sometimes I do come in on Fridays uh, and work on a sermon because God just has, I haven't, I just haven't felt the right direction or I've, I've started a sermon and thought that I was done and had to come in Friday. And uh, it's very unusual though that I'll wake up on Monday morning and already know what God wants me to preach Sunday morning. Because generally, I'll, I'll, I'll prepare Monday morning, I'll prepare for Wednesday night. Tuesday and Wednesday, I'll prepare for Sunday night. And then the rest of the week, I'll prepare for Sunday morning. Not this week, church. Not this week. This week, I got to work on, really, I woke up Sunday morning with this message that God gave me on my heart. And it, it was on my heart so much that I almost couldn't prepare for Wednesday night the way I needed to because I was, I mean, every time I started studying for Wednesday night in the life of Paul, I, I was trying to, you know, in my mind, okay, I, I need to do this and I need to prepare this and I need to go here and I need to go this direction for Sunday morning's message. But I finally made it through and I have this message complete for you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I don't know if you'll be saying that here in a few minutes. <laughs> so here we go. Turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew. We're going to start reading in uh, Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Matthew records, When he saw the, the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, because the kingdom of heaven is, is, is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, righteousness because they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, because they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. 
Blessed are those, blessed are you when, when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say uh, every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that, that is how they persecuted the prophets uh, who, who were before you. Then we get to verse 13. Verse 13 says, you. Who, who, who exactly is that directed at? Who, who is you? You, you, can, you can, as you get to this portion of Scripture, you can do this right here. You can say, you. That, that's you. That's every single one of it. He says this. Jesus said, now Jesus said that. It's read in your Bibles, right? Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled on, on by man. Now understand, as I, as I, I, we're not going to deal with this portion of Scripture all that much this morning, but I want you to get this and understand this. If you take salt, and, and I've seen documentaries and, and stories on salt before, when they mine salt, the, the salt is like in huge mounds out in the open. It's out, you know, just drying, huge, I mean, bigger than this church, mounds of salt. There's only two ways that salt can be diluted. If it's watered down or, or it's contaminated by something that is rotten. Okay? Now, let, let's move on. Verse 14 says this. It says, you. Well, hold on a second. There we go again. There, there we go again. Robert, who, who's you? Who, who is you? Miss Catherine, who is you? Who's Jesus talking about here? We, we can do this again. We can go, you. Jesus says, you are, affirmative, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it, and it gives light for all in the house. And in the same way, he says this, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Amen. The title of this morning's message is this. What triggers a Christian? What triggers a Christian? Now, y'all notice that youth, I, I used, you know, a, a kind of a new aged or newer age word, triggered. Some of y'all are saying, what, is, what does he mean by triggered? I mean, is he talking about guns here? No, 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 I'm not talking about guns. What I'm talking about is what gets you, what gets you stirred up? What, what gets you riled up? What, what, what gets you to the point where, okay, I, I'm going to say something now. What is it that triggers Christians? That's the title of the sermon this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we come to you asking forgiveness of our sins. Lord, I ask you to forgive me where I fail you because I know I do. The older I get, the more I understand the scripture that Paul said that he, he was the greatest of sinners, Lord. I, and I pray that you'd forgive me of that. I pray as I stand in this pulpit, your pulpit, and I proclaim this word uh, to, to your people, God, that I won't be seen and I won't be heard, but you'll be seen and you'll be heard. Because, God, we, we need to hear a word from you. We, we, we need to be what you called us to be, God. 
In Jesus' name I do pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Now, if you'll recall, recall I, I preached a, a sermon from this very scripture several years ago here in this, this very sanctuary. Uh, I covered all the windows with black paper, turned out all the lights, uh, and, and I preached by candlelight. Now, this morning, uh, we have to revisit the same scripture, but from a do totally different angle. Now, I, I first want to ask you, this, you know, a couple questions. Do you think Jesus was speaking to those who were standing in front of him on that day? Do you think he was speaking these words of wisdom to the people he was speaking, standing in front of? Well, yeah, yeah he, was, he was speaking directly to them. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think that this scripture applies to us as Christians today? Now, I, I, some of y'all didn't answer, so I want to ask again, because I, I really want to get this point across. Do you think that Jesus, this scripture that he, he gave us, is applicable to us in the, in the, in the church today? Okay, okay, I'm just checking. Do you think we as believers, those who have accepted the free gift of salvation from, from Jesus, can, can now choose to disregard what Jesus has told us to do? Can we just look at this scripture and say, nah, I'm not up for that. I, I, listen, I, I appreciate you, Jesus. I thank you for your get-out-of-hell-free pass, but I really don't want to do that. So I'm going to disregard that. Can we do that as Christians? I, I'm, okay, I'm, so we're on board. So we're all in agreement this morning that we are to accept the light that Jesus gave us in, in such a way that, that our light makes him known. Now, what does this scripture, what is it about this scripture, about shining our light and making him known? What does this scripture really mean? Because evidently, we as Christians, we don't get it. We don't understand it. We, 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 we look at it, and we must look at it kind of like the lost world looks at the Old Testament, or really the scripture as a whole, and just scratches their head and says, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. I don't, you know, I don't understand. And when we say that, when we say, Sharon, I don't get it and I don't understand, we're, we're allowing ourselves to get off the hook. Okay, since I don't understand that I don't have to, it doesn't apply to me. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, yes, it does. It really does. So what does this scripture mean? Let, let's break it down this morning. Now, let's first look at, at, at this morning's scripture that Jesus himself spoke in light of Old Testament scripture. So we, we see the New Testament application. But let's look at it in light of the Old Testament this morning. Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 says this. Those who are wise will shine like the bright expanse of heaven. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The words Jesus spoke in his Sermon on the Mount that we just read in Matthew chapter 5 were not new words of wisdom. They were divine wisdom cast down from God to man. We as Christians, we as children of God, have the obligation to God to let our light shine. And that obligation is not fulfilled when we reach a certain age. It is fulfilled when we've taken our last breath and stand before the one we claim is the king of the world and masters of our lives. That's when our obligation is done to him. John Phillips says this about Matthew 5, 13 through 16, concerning the, the contrasting of the light and salt. He says this, 
We are to function as light. Church, we are to function as light. You, you know, when you walk into a dark room or into a dark closet or you're walking outdoors and it's, it's dark outside, right before you walk into the darkness, you, 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 you do something. What do you do? You flip the switch on. You flip the switch on. This is the picture that John Phillips is trying to, to, to relate to us here. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, all the darkness that was inside of you, he flipped a switch and the light of God came on. The only difference is he doesn't turn it off. He does not turn it off. Scripture says you are, ye are the light of the world. That means you are casting light. He goes on to say this. He says, while salt deals with the moral, light deals with the spiritual. Salt relates to character, but light relates to our conduct. Salt deals with what a person is. Light deals with what a person does. Taken together, the two statements of salt and light mean that we are to be like him. We're to be like Jesus. When, Brother Kyle? Always, all day, every day, we're to be like him. We're to strive to be like him. So what does this scripture mean that we're to shine our light? Well, let, let's break it down. Let's break it down even further. I, I mean, I want us to truly understand this. I, I, I want you to understand this scripture in such a way that we really don't have to. We probably will revisit it at some point, but we don't have to because we have such a great understanding of what the light is. He starts off, Jesus starts off with, with this. He says, you are. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Maggie, what this means is Jesus came, he lived, he, he, he breathed, he ministered, he, he healed, he did all that he did, he died, he was resurrected from the grave by God, he walked this earth for 40 days after his resurrection, he, he, he took the apostles and did something extraordinary in their lives, and they became from, from they, they came from Swift, swim, just, I mean, sniveling little weaklings to unbelievable men of God who weren't afraid of anything. And he did it the same thing to us. What are you talking about, Brother Kyle? He gave them the light. He gave them the same light that we have. You see, he says, you are the light of the world. If you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior and He is your Lord, whether you realize it or not, Ricky, you are dis you, you're, you're casting your light. You're, you're casting your light in some way, some form, some, some, some fashion. How bright is that light? Now that's the question we need to, to, to center on. That's what we need to focus on. That's what we need to think about. If you're a Christian, your light's shining. But how bright is it shining? Jesus addresses that in, in our scripture this morning. And number two, he says this. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. Listen, do you think Jesus saved you and put you in the lowest point that possibly you could be? Absolutely not. He put you on a hilltop. He takes pride in you. You are his child. He sets you on a hilltop so all the world can see. He wants your life to give glory, not to yourself, but back to the Father, his Father. 
He says, you cannot hide light and darkness. Yet, we so often hide the light that Christ has given us to shine brightly. We accept it greatly and we, we're, we appreciate it, but we're, we just we hide it. Because listen, we, we don't want everybody to know that we're a Christian. Right? Can I remind you that Scripture says that if you're ashamed of me, I'm going to be ashamed of you before the Father? Oh, Brother Kyle, you know, Christians are, are, are persecuted. L- listen, l- Let's remember what Jesus just said here in, in, in the book of Matthew before we got to all our, our, you know, the scripture we're concentrating on this morning. He says, be glad and rejoice because, he says, blessed are those who insult you and persecute you and falsely accuse you of every kind of evil against you because of me. But blessed are you. Be glad and rejoice when this happens because your reward is great in heaven. For it is what they, this is how they persecuted the prophets who, who were before you. It's going to take, it's going to happen. It's going to take place. We can't hide our, our, our light that God gave us and, you know, say, okay, well, you know, I, I don't want to be persecuted. If you're doing what God's called you to do, you're going to face persecution. It's going to hurt, but it's going to be okay. Jesus then gives an illustration of what is not supposed to happen with our lights in verse 15 and 16. Look at verse 15. It says, no one, no one, nobody, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and gives light to all who are in the house. Vicky, no, 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 nobody. Let's put this in our, our, our day. Nobody turns a light switch on, Brother Frank, and then puts a trash can over top of it. I mean, that's silly, isn't it? It's, it's crazy. No, no, nobody, nobody turns a light switch on and, and takes a blacked-out fishbowl and, and covers it. No, you turn the light on that your light might be seen. Amen? Now, verse 16 tells us, that we are to let our light shine before we are to let our light shine before Jesus that that and the world that they may see your good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. There's a reason for the light that people can identify us with God and guess who it points people to? To God. That's why we're to let our light shine. See, see, we have an application and we have a purpose. We have a principle. And listen, it's it's perfect. Church, we've been charged by Jesus to shine our lights, to expose and attract darkness. We are to be a witness to the world. We are to witness, 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 and when necessary, we're to open our mouths. And when it's necessary to open our mouths to evil, we we are to take that task at hand and point out evil where evil is. I'm, I, listen, I, I'm to the point looking at the world as a Christian, not even as a pastor, and, and I'm, I'm just baffled at, at us not calling evil evil. Well, Brother Kyle, how can I know what evil is? If the Word of God says it's evil, it's evil. I, I don't, Tommy, how can he make it any simpler? I mean, the real struggle is this. We don't know what evil is, that evil is evil because we're not in God's Word. Amen. 
How can you know what evil is? How can you have a litmus test? How can you have a filter if you don't get into the Word of God? Well, it's, it's, you know, listen, it's not that bad. If the Word of God says it's bad, it's bad. I mean, I, I don't have the luxury of saying, well, this is my opinion on this. God spoke and I either accept it or I don't. We don't even know what evil is anymore. Church, sad truth is that most Christians don't shine their light. Nor do they call evil, evil. Did you hear that? Most Christians, they don't shine their light the way Jesus told them to. Nor do they call evil, evil. Until... Let me preface it again. Most Christians don't shine their light. Most Christians don't call evil, evil. Until. Y'all ready? Until. Sunday night. And most of the day Monday and part of the day Tuesday. Church. I saw Christians and non-Christians going at it all day for about two or three days. What was all the commotion over? The Super Bowl halftime show. This is what it was over. Now, I, I did a little survey, some of y'all saw it, asking people what they thought of the show. I received at the time of the writing of this sermon 125 comments. Mary Beth, that's the, that's the most I've ever gotten on anything I've ever done. I mean, I, I've, I've had some, you know, I've made some comments. And I, I, y'all know me. I like to stir the pot a little bit. I, I do. Brooke, I had 125 comments 11 reactions on this one question. Y'all go back and look at it. I'm not going to go over all of it. My very next post, and I did this on purpose. This was kind of, this was, you know, on purpose. My very next post was a highly controversial and sickening topic that we as Christians should be standing up against, and it received just 15 comments. 15. Brother Frank, Super Bowl 125, something that we all ought to be standing up against, and I'll get to it here in a little bit, 15. 15. Just three people answered my questions about the halftime show the way I felt, what I felt the cranked answer should be. Leah Lowry was one of them. Proud of you, Leah. My sister-in-law was another one. I, you know, I... Give her props. Lori Howie, give her props. Now, let me read you just a few exchanges, uh, just a few exchanges that, that I saw uh, the Monday that, that, that uh, up until this sermon. It, it, it's still continuing. Listen to this. First, we overlook evil. Then we permit evil. Then we legalize e evil. Then we promote evil. Then we celebrate evil. Then we persecute those who still call evil evil. 
Here's another one. Newsweek magazine. Trump, Trump legal advisor Jenna Ellis slams Super Bowl halftime show for exploiting and demeaning women. Here's WTOC. That's, that's local, okay? Last night's halftime show is getting both praise and criticism. Sound off. What do you think? Here's what Franklin Graham said. Do you think the halftime show was pro show promoted sexual exploitation? Here's a, 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 a newspaper in Charlotte from my hometown. It says, do you think the Super Bowl halftime was appropriate, appropriate or, or for a family audience? They did a poll. 20% said yes. 80% said no. Franklin Graham, this was uh, WCNC, he says, Franklin Graham, Super Bowl halftime show showed young girls that sexual exploitation of women is okay. Evangelist Franklin Graham criticized the Super Bowl halftime show saying, saying he was disappointed in both Pepsi and the NFL. Parents, pay attention to this one because this one, I wasn't expecting this one, okay? Th this guy says, you people are triggered about the halftime show. You need to look at your children's TikTok. <laughs> what, what is TikTok? If you don't know, you better get in the know. You hear me? Here's another one by Liz Wheeler. She says, we wonder why the Super Bowl is a hotbed of sex trafficking Meanwhile, we applaud for literal pole dancing turning the halftime show. Degrading women has, has tragic cultural consequences. Here's one from one of my former youth. Uh, Christian, she says, you love the halftime show, you hated it. At the end of the day, you can choose to be any kind of woman you want to be. Tonight showcased, uh, showcased how far women have come uh, and, and will go. Yes, moms can shake it on the, on the pole or go to the moon or, catch, or coach a football team in the NFL. Onward and upward, ladies. Here's the last one. It says, I don't understand. We have all these women pushing the Me Too movement, yet... We have a halftime show of women who are pushing the Me Too movement, flaunting their bodies and selling sex. How can we want men to act a certain way and give us the respect we deserve when we can't even respect ourselves? Those are just a few. Just a few. Now, I'll, I'll share my thoughts here at the end, my thoughts of what I thought at the end of the sermon. Okay, y'all going to be all right with that? Now, church, the, the main point I, I want all of you to get this morning, we are called to shine our lights, to dispel darkness. Most do not. They will not engage for the Lord. But on this day, on the day of the Super Bowl, Christians were triggered. Christians got triggered. There's probably nobody in here who's on any kind of social media outlet that didn't see the interchange between both Christians and non-Christians, between Christians who supported it and Christians who didn't support it, between the lost world who was going at it with the Christians who did. So, I mean, it was, it, y'all, it was a fiesta. It was an extravaganza to watch the, what, what was taking place because Christians were triggered about this halftime show. Now, this church, 
the halftime show seems to have been the line in the sand that had been crossed. That was it. <gasps> you crossed my line. That, that was the line that was crossed. This was your boiling and breaking point. This was the final straw that pushed you too far and now I'm going to take a stand and shine my light for Jesus. Right now, I'm going to call evil, evil. That's where my line is and I'm going to step across it. How dare you? I, I push back in my desk and I scratch what little bit of hair that I had on my head and I just, I mean, I, I just, I was like, what? Really? This is what triggers you. This is it. The halftime Super Bowl show and what they showed, that triggers you. Now, what I want you, what, what, I, what I want to really get across, listen, I, I'm not saying that Christians should not have been upset. I'm not. Please get me, please understand. Brother Frank, you, you with me, right? I don't see anybody sleeping this morning. Praise God. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be upset. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is, why did it take you so long to get upset? Why did this trigger you when so much more is taking place and you have either not batted an eye to it, you, you have downplayed how bad it really is, or you, you don't think it's bad at all and you actually support it? Why did this trigger so many people? Church, we as Christians have been in an uproar, or should have been in an uproar way before now. And, and there was a time when we were. We had a voice. We stood on the Word of God and proclaimed, Thus says the Word. We did take a stand for God once upon a time. We did. Let me just ask, listen, what should have triggered Christians? What, what, should, what, what should have triggered Christians before now? What is it? What is it that has taken place in recent years that should have made us not only stand up, but enraged us to the point that we, that we would not shut up? We are, are going to shine our light on darkness well, what is it, church? Now, please, I'm getting ready to give you some examples. Please know that this is not an exhausted list by any means whatsoever at all. Just hot topics that I've had to deal with in the past 18 years of ministry. Are you ready? You ready? Listen to this. When a certain company made its public announcement back in 2015 that its toy and clothing aisles would no longer carry gender, gender identification. Americans should have recognized that this corporation was asserting and, and, and advertising a role of tradition uh, or, or adversarial to the role of, of traditional values. To prove their insanity... And, and their perversion to the obvious of its boundaries, this company invited men to invade the solitude of a women's restroom and women the men's, men's restroom under the misguided notion that they not, not want to discriminate against the civil rights of the transgendered. 
outlining their reasoning for this new affront on the inconvenience uh, or the inconvenience of the children and the privacy of the security of our wives and daughters, this company's statements read this. Inclusivity is the core belief of our company. It's something we celebrate. We stand for equality and equity and strive to make our guests and team members feel accepted, respected, and welcomed in our stores and our workplaces every single day. Surely, church, surely this example of politically correct insanity will make the blood of, of every husband and father bull over and over and over again in disgust at this corporation's assault on the moral fiber of homes and the inconven- uh, in, in, inconsistence uh, of our youth. Every religious sect in American society should have been outraged with this company's decision to open restroom doors to perverted and misguided and subject our children and wives to the danger of predators disguised as gender confused. Surely, surely the decision that this this company made, and if you don't know who it is, you come see me after the service, I'll, I'll tell you. this company made to all of us is far worse than what you saw Sunday night. Surely, surely the decision that this company, and I want to say it, I just don't want to get put in jail and, 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 and sued for the rest of my life if I say their name. You come see me afterwards, I'll tell you who it is. Most of you know. Most of you know. Surely, surely this was a triggering point for Christians to at the very least stop doing business with them. Nope. Nope. You see, this one falls under the grounds of, you know, it's not that bad. Or or it falls under, you know, they're, they're just as bad as everybody else. Or is, or is it that it falls under, I, I just don't care? Sure, sure, surely, this, this right here, is worse than the Super Bowl Sunday night. You, you would think. Now, I, I picked one that was, uh, I, I, again, I, I could sit here all day, y'all can't, but I could sit here all day just, you know, doing this. I picked one intentionally because we have so many military in our area who have been in and who are involved in our service former military listen to this listen to this topic okay waterboarding y'all know what waterboarding is right waterboarding is a a form that they use to get information out of people who were were terrorists and they did things to America when they were interrogating them. If they didn't want to give up the information, they would tie them to a board and they'd put a cloth over their face and they'd pour water over it to try and get them to talk. Okay? Waterboarding is a form of, of water torture in which water is poured over a cloth covering the face and breathing passages of an immobilized captive causing the person to experience the feeling of drowning. In the most common method of waterboarding, the captive's face is covered with a cloth of some some form of of thin material that immobilizes his or her back to an incline between 10 and 20 degrees. Torturers 
pour water onto the face of the breathing passages, causing an almost immediate gag reflex and creating the drowning sensation to its captive. Thirty years after being tortured by such method, a victim said, even today I wake up because of nightmares of, of feeling like I'm dying from drowning. Brother Kyle, surely you're not suggesting that we as Americans, we as Christians, should, should have, have made our voices heard in support of waterboarding back in 2010 when our military was caught using these methods on terrorists to get information from them. Are you? Are you suggesting that we should be using that? Should you have, should, should we have allowed it? <coughs> Absolutely not. But the same people who were opposed to waterboarding were the same people who sat on their hands while Christians were being put in cages and dropped in pools until they died. They were the very same people who did nothing while Christians were being burned alive and having their heads cut off. Where was NATO then? Better yet, where were Christians? Why was then not a good time to stand up and shine our lights, not only for Jesus, but for our brothers and sisters who were being killed? Crickets. Well, you know, it's a wartime thing. War, you know, wartime things, wartime things happen. I mean, now nah, listen. While I was your pastor under the last presidential, uh, whatever you want to call it, the last president, it was on news daily that there was a group of Christians. They were, they were running for their lives in a huge caravan. A huge caravan of people, thousands of people, they were running from ISIS and Al-Qaeda because they were Christians. And, and Al-Qaeda, they were, they were picking them off one by one. They, they ran up to a cliff and they were cornered. And women were throwing their children off the cliff so they wouldn't have to face what they would do to them. And our government sat and did nothing. And we said and didn't say anything. Church, that is one of the days where we should have come together as a body of believers in Christ and stormed Washington. What would we have been doing? We'd have been letting our light shine. But did y'all see any news stories about that? It's because we didn't. We didn't. We didn't. Church, if we are called to let our light shine, exposing the darkness in the world, should we as Christians, should we as Christians support coffee shops that definitely oppose Christian values? Or at the very least, not give them our business? We're living in a day, listen church, when, when I was young, when I was younger, politicians didn't come out and tell you, you know, this, okay, I, I believe all this. I believe all this. They, they would hide it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't try to tell you. The day that we live in, listen, they're, they're, they're out in the open. Businesses are out in the open. They'll tell you exactly what they believe. And if somebody says, I don't support fam family values or Christian values, as a matter of fact, I support the opposite, should we really be supporting them? I mean, call me crazy, but isn't that like letting your light shine? 
I'm, I'm just wondering. Church, listen, should, should we not support in any way a major corporation who has said, we do not think that the Bible is a source of moral grounds, that, that, supports, uh, that support and defend alternative lifestyles over traditional marriage. These same corp- corporations who have made billions labeled directly as children's entertainment while filming their movies with, while filling their movies with sexual innuendos. Should we not take a stand when companies, oh, I can't do it because I'll get sued. Some companies like, hmm, try to hold our very state, the state of Georgia, hostage by saying that if you vote on a family, a, 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 a family reform bill, we will no longer do business in your state filming movies. Church, you mean to tell me that you saw a halftime show, what you saw at a halftime show triggered Christians, but that doesn't upset you? Really? I've, I've had, I mean, I've, I've, I've come out, you know, and, and I've, I've crossed the line. I've said, listen, y'all, if y'all support that, y'all are crazy. And I've had some of y'all come up and say, oh, Brother Kyle, listen, you love Winnie Kate. Oh, look at Winnie Kate. If she comes up and says, Pop, will you take me to that, that, that? You going to take her. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm really not. L- listen, church, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm in no way, shape, form, or fashion am I perfect. But I'm not going, I'm, I am not going to support or give a person, not a dime. Not a dime that trashes my Jesus. Does that make sense to you? That you as a Christian, they'll, they'll trash your Jesus and you'll put a t-shirt on and skip down the streets. It doesn't make sense to me. It really doesn't. Church, how, how about, how about uh, we're triggered about the halftime show, but we're not triggered about Planned Parenthood. We're not. I encourage y'all, please listen. We, we, live, we live in an age of technology. It doesn't take that much snooping. Look back at why and who created Planned Parenthood. What their objective was. To wipe out every colored race but white. And they plant these parent, Planned Parenthoods in such places that are accessible by lower income families. That they can walk to them. Six, over 61 billion million children have died because of abortion. I, there, there's a website, and I wish that I would have remembered to do this. I was going to do this. I was going to get Neil and them to, uh, to, to flash the website. Because there's an actual website that's got a countdown. And, and every, I think it's every five seconds somewhere in the world, or every three seconds, there's an abortion. We, we as Christians, we're triggered by a halftime show. But we don't make our voices heard about abortion. Please, please listen to me. We're, we're in an election year. Everybody paying attention? I don't see anybody sleeping still. Good, amen. We're in an election year. There is one presidential candidate, just one. Just one. 
I don't care how you feel about this person. I mean, we all, we all have different feelings towards everybody, right? There's one presidential candidate, just one, just one, who is pro-life. Just one. All the other candidates, every single one of the other candidates, totally supports abortion up to the day of birth. Brother Kyle, that's, that's just your opinion. No, it's not. Listen, that's what I'm talk, telling you. That, that, that they have been asked the question. They're not hiding anymore. It's out in the open. It's actual factual. How are you going, how are you going to let your shot light shine on election day? Here are my thoughts. I, again, I could go on, but y'all are ready to go. Here are my thoughts on the halftime show. You ready? <clears throat> it's bad in my, my eyes. How, how many of y'all saw it? The halftime show. I, I was with a group of Christians. I was invited over to, to a Christian's house. But it was all church people. And there were several times, I, I don't know, I mean, I, I just, whew, I, I kind of cut my head. Bob, did you see me cut my head a couple times? I was like, woo. I mean, it, it was, it was, you know, they showed a lot. <laughs> they didn't leave anything, any of the imagination for sure. I, at one point, I, I asked my wife, I said, where do you buy an outfit like that? I, really, I mean, y'all saw, where do you buy an outfit like the, the, that outfit? But here are my thoughts. You, you ready? What did you expect? <laughs> what is it that you expect? And we're talking about the world here. Y'all have heard me say this before as well. Henry Blackaby once said, he said, for us to impose moralistic values on the lost world is heresy. You, you really, I mean, when, when the, the, the first half ended and they started bringing everything out on the, show, out, out on the field and, and, and the, they started, you know, playing the, the introduction music and, and people were getting pumped up, you really thought to yourself, boy, this is going to be good. This is going to be wholesome. <laughs> what, what, did, what did you expect? It's the world. It's the lost world. But the lost world has kind of infiltrated the church. Church, Jesus told us to let our light shine. What are you doing with your light? What are you doing with your light? Where is your line, church? Where's your line in the sand? Boy, what, if I, listen, I'm good. I, I don't like that. I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that, and I don't agree with that. But, you know, where is your line? I, I'm not going to take any more. Where is your line? What is it that's going to be over the line for you? What is going to push you to take a stand? Now, you may not have reached a point where you feel you need to take a stand as of yet, but I, I truly, truly desire, but, but, but if you truly desire to walk with the Lord, a day is soon coming when you'll decide to take a stand. And I pray that you will stand and let your light shine for the world to see and, and, and 
just dispel all the darkness around you. Where is your line? Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we, we love you. And without me saying anything else, Lord, I pray that you would move in this service this morning. If there's somebody here this morning who needs to accept you as their personal Savior, I pray that you would give them, give them the strength to walk down this aisle and let me show them what Scripture says we must do to be born again. God, if those who are here were touched by the message, God, not by me, but, but by you, Lord, I pray that you would give them the strength to come down and spend some time with you. Help us, Lord, to be about shining our lights for you. In Jesus' name I do pray. Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed. Will you come? Do you need to come?